0: Well, let's uh, open our Bibles this morning. If you've got your Bible, uh, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 1 and we're going to jump down to Luke chapter 2 and we're going to wrap up our series entitled Believe the Miracle of Christmas and uh, we're going to jump right into the Christmas story this morning. Matthew 1, it says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will, what's that next word? Let's say it together, he will... Save his people from their sins. I look in Luke chapter two, one through nineteen. The Bible says, and at that time the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a Caesar, that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire, and this was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go back to he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. And he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first child, a son. And she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, saying, do not be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Look at that first point. We said that when we believe in the miracle of Christmas, all of a sudden it sets the precedence of our faith, right? You can't believe in the miracle of Christmas and not believe in some other significant truths about who God is and really about who you are as a part of God's story and God's plan for your life. So we said the first thing that has to happen whenever we believe in the miracle of Christmas, look at that next point. We said we have to believe that the impossible is possible right when we believe in the miracle of Christmas we have to believe that the impossible Is possible we said as we looked at the virgin birth of Jesus Christ we said it's scientifically mathematically medically and physically impossible but with God all things are possible right everything about the Christmas story is an impossibility and from every angle and every perspective and every place that you would come to look at the story of Christmas you can't grab hold of the story of Christ's virgin birth and not grab hold of the fact that the God of the impossible is the God that we serve right And we simply made this observation. We said, if you can believe in the miracle of Christmas, then there's nothing else you can't believe in, right? The problem is not that you don't have enough faith. The problem is that you and I have to exercise our faith, right? And begin to believe again for the impossible, right? Because when we believe in the miracle of Christmas, we have to believe that the impossible is possible because the story of Christ and his birth is a story of impossibilities that became a reality because we serve a God that does the impossible. And I want to just challenge you with something this, uh, this Christmas season. I know that over the next few days we're going to be celebrating a lot of amazing things as we celebrate Christmas. But let me tell you what I know about Christmas. Christmas has a wonderful way of magnifying where you are. And what I mean by that is simply this, if you're in a good place, then Christmas will magnify the good that's going on in your life. But if you're in a challenging place, Christmas will magnify the challenges that you're facing in your life. I had the opportunity yesterday of going to the funeral home for the funeral of a 14-year-old boy. Four days before Christmas, this mom and dad had to bury their 14-year-old son. And I want you to understand that come Christmas morning, Christmas is going to magnify their loss. It's going to magnify the fact that their child, who was just with them four days ago, is no longer with them on Christmas morning. And that's the wonderful, amazing thing about Christmas. If life is good, it magnifies the good. But if life is challenging, it magnifies the challenges. So why do I say that? I say that because of this. Because if you believe, in the miracle of Christmas then you have to believe that the impossible is still possible you have to believe that God is able in the midst of death to bring life that in the midst of sorrow to bring joy that in the midst of pain to bring comfort and I don't know what Christmas is going to magnify for you this year. I hope it magnifies great things. I hope you're in a good season. I hope wonderful things are happening in your life. But if not, maybe you're in the midst of the greatest challenge you've ever faced. Maybe you're walking through the greatest season of loss that you've ever endured. But I want to encourage you in this. If you believe in the miracle of Christmas, then you have to believe that the impossible is possible. And this Christmas season, I want to encourage you to believe again. Let's believe again that the God of hope is still the God on the throne. Let's believe again that God is able to take all things and work them together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And I want to just say to you today, regardless of the season of life that Christmas is going to magnify today, this is a season of hope when you believe in the miracle of Christmas. And great things, impossible things can happen in your life. Why? Because you simply believe in who Jesus is. Amen. The second thing that happens, we said, when we believe in the miracle of Christmas, we said that when we believe in the miracle of Christmas, we have to believe that God knows, that God sees, that God hears, and that God cares. Right, God knows who you are. Right, We read the story of Christmas. We read about Mary and Joseph. We read about Zachariah and Elizabeth. And God knew who they were. God knew where they were. And God knew their name. And before they were written into the story of Christmas, they were ordinary people that were unknown. But God knew. And you can't believe in the miracle of Christmas and not believe that God knows who you are. And you may feel insignificant and you may feel like nobody knows who you are. Nobody even knows your name. But I want you to understand today, if you believe in the miracle of Christmas, then you have to believe that God knows who you are. God knows your name. God knows where you're at. He sees what's going on in your life. Not only does God know, God sees. God sees, right? We said not just the bad things. We believe that pretty quickly. But God actually sees the good things that you do. God sees the good that you do. He sees the sacrifices you made. He sees the gifts that you give. He sees your patience and your persistence and your determination. He sees your hard work. He sees all the things that you do in His name and for the good of the people that you love and even to bless people that you may not even know. God sees the good. I had an image this morning as I was just praying. God gave me this image. He said, Keith, many times people see me. He said, like, and I just, I just imagined uh, kind of being in kindergarten. That's a couple years ago. Anybody remember that? I kind of remember being in kindergarten. And and you know, uh, the Lord said, many people have this distorted view of me. They see me as this kindergarten teacher with with, with a checkboard over here on the wall and I'm just waiting for you to mess up so I can put a check by your name. But God said, I I don't want you to see me as a kindergarten teacher with with a checkboard marking all the things you've done wrong. He said, I want you to see me as a kindergarten teacher with a book of gold stars and I'm just waiting to put one by your name. God's got a gold star with your name on it, right? God's got a gold star with your name. He sees all the good that you're doing, and the world might magnify your failures, but God magnifies your successes because God sees the good, and you can go home today knowing there's a gold star on your name because the God of heaven sees the good that you're doing. You can't believe in the miracle of Christmas and not believe that God not only knows, sees, but God hears. Right, We said the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, God heard their prayer. The birth of John the Baptist was a result of answered prayer. And you can't have the birth of Jesus without the birth of John the Baptist because John the Baptist had to fulfill the prophecy that would precede Jesus coming into the earth. And so we recognize if you believe in the miracle of Christmas, you have to believe in an answered prayer. You have to believe that God hears your prayers. And we recognize that God's delays are not God's denials. Many times God is setting you up. Right? God is delaying the answer to your prayer because Ephesians 3.20 says he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above more than you could even ask or imagine. God has greater things. And we said that John the Baptist, Zachariah and Elizabeth, they wanted a son. God wanted a prophet. Right? They wanted somebody to carry on the family name. God wanted somebody to carry on the name of Jesus so that 2,000 years later we're still talking about John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. Why? God's delays are not God's denials. God is setting you up for something great in your life, bigger than you ever imagined. And then we said you have to believe that God cares. Right? God cares. God knows, God sees, God hears, and God cares about you. He looks at you and He cares about you like a loving, heavenly Father. And not only does God care about you, but God cares about the things you care about. He cares about the things you care about. Why? Because He Loves you. And if you believe in the miracle of Christmas, you can never believe the lie of the enemy that you don't matter to God. Because you matter to God. God knows, God sees, God hears, and God cares about your life. Then last week, Pastor Ian, didn't he do a great job bringing the word of the Lord last Sunday? Last week, Pastor Ian taught us that when we believe in the miracle of Christmas, we also have to believe, right, that we have a part to play in God's story. Right, we have a part to play. You're not insignificant. You're not irrelevant. You have a part to play in God's story. Think about it like this. You have two choices every single day of your life. You can write your own story or you can be a part of God's story. You can write your own story or you can be a part of God's story. And Here's the great thing when you think about that. God, the great screenplay writer of the universe, has written you into his story. Mary and Joseph had a choice. They got to choose. Do I want to be a part of what God is doing? Zachariah and Elizabeth had a choice. Do I want to be a part of what God is doing? The shepherds and the wise men had a choice. Do I want to be a part of what God is doing? And every time you say yes to the prompting and leading of the Holy Spirit, you get written into the story that God has for you. It is a beautiful, beautiful story of faith and glory that impacts the world. And everything you do, from the way you raise your kids to working your job to paying your bills, to loving your neighbor all of those things are a part of you being written in to God's story and you've got an amazing part to play I was talking with a gentleman yesterday at the funeral home and his wife is good friends with the mom of the son that passed away he's a couple years older than them and he said he had just got out of college when she was going into college and he said he remembers talking to her one day he said a little five minute conversation He said, and he told her, he said, when you get into college, he said, there's going to be some hard, hard days. There's going to be some challenging times. There's going to be some teachers and some tests and some things that are going to come your way. And you're going to want to quit, and you're going to want to quit, and you're going to want to quit, and you're going to want to quit about 100 times over. He said, whatever you do, don't quit. He said, it was a five-minute conversation. She was 18. I was about 23, 24 years old. I didn't think too much about it. He said, but over 20 years later, he said, she came up to me. And she said, hey, I just want you to know do you remember when I was 18, you were about 23? You remember that little 5-minute conversation? She said, "I want you to know that I'm here today the only reason I graduated high school, I'm the only reason I graduated college is because every time it got hard, I heard your words and it was your words of encouragement that helped me press through and graduate because here's the good news. When you play your part in God's story, you help write somebody else's story for the glory of God." Amen. You have a part to play in God's story now let's look at this last point today so when we believe in the miracle Christmas we have to believe I want you to see this that eternity is a reality when you believe in the miracle Christmas you have to believe that eternity is a reality you cannot opt out on the idea that there is a heaven and a hell If you believe in the miracle of Christmas, you have to believe in the reality of eternity. You have to believe that everybody is going to spend eternity somewhere, either eternal life or eternal death, and that ultimately is every individual's final choice and final decision. But you cannot opt out on that. You cannot believe in the miracle of Christmas and believe that this world is all there is. You can't do it. Why? Because the Christmas story is an eternal story. The Christmas story is not just about a baby in a manger. It's not just about a moment in time. It is about God doing something strategically, specifically, purposely, and passionately in order to look what it said when we read this morning. To save His people from their sins. Let's look with me in John chapter 3, right? The most familiar verse of Scripture in the entire Bible, John three sixteen. Look what it says. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. So that whosoever believes in him. Any whosoever's in the house today, I'm glad to be a whosoever. Whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. See, you can't believe in the miracle of Christmas and not believe that eternity is a reality. Why? Because God gave his son, according to John 3.16, as a baby in a manger, as a gift of God unto the world, so that you and I would not perish but have eternal life. The word perish is an interesting word. I never really studied it out, I don't think. It's amazing, John three sixteen, most familiar verse of scripture in the Bible. You thought I'd have studied that thing from front to back, inside and out. But as I was looking at it just this past week, I began to recognize some things. The word perish literally means utter and total ruin. It means an eternal place of ruin and devastation and destruction that never ends. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, wrapped him in flesh, laid him in a manger, gave him to a virgin by the name of Mary, entrusted him to a man by the, name of, by, the name, by the name of Joseph, sent angels to declare him, sent shepherds to worship him, sent wise men to honor him. And he did all of that, why? Because God had a ultimate vision and mission and purpose, and that is that he wanted to keep us from perishing, eternal ruin and devastation, and give us the gift of eternal life life I don't know if you realize it but just in case you don't I'm just going to give you some of the greatest revelation you'll ever get in your entire life this is worth the whole service so y'all just listen real close (laughs) you are a spirit you have a soul and you live in a body which is your earth suit your soul is connected to your spirit not your body Your mind, your will, and your emotions are connected to the eternal part of you. You are a spirit. That means you're eternal. You are a soul. You have a mind, a will, and emotions that are connected to your eternal spirit man. And you have a body, which is your earth suit. This gives you permission to walk around. Right? When you go to outer space, you get a space suit. When you get born into the world, you get an earth suit called flesh. Flesh will die. But you're gonna live forever you are a spirit and you have a soul and you live in a body but you are gonna live forever somewhere forever and ever ever eternal life or eternal death forever is what the Bible or the scripture teaches us and you need to understand that you're a spirit you're eternal you're eternal look at your neighbor say you're eternal you're eternal Your earthly body is going to die, but you're never going to die. Let me say it again. Your earthly body is going to die, but you are never going to die. Your spirit and soul will never, ever, ever die. And isn't it amazing how unique we are? I mean, how many parents in the room here today, any parents? Have you ever looked at your kids and thought, how do these two kids come from these two parents and end up so different? I mean, Lordy Jesus, how in the world, God, did you do that? God did that because all of us were creating the image and likeness of God. And you are an eternal spirit, and you have an eternal soul. And you will live or die forever. And the choice, according to the Christmas story, is yours. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, come to utter eternal ruin, but would have eternal life. Look at one more scripture with me. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The word wages, again, interesting word. I just really was diving into some neat things this week. The word wages literally means a predetermined set amount. For all the folks in the Sunshine House, it literally means stopping. That's literally what it means. What is the stopping? It is a predetermined amount that you're given. So the Bible says there is a predetermined penalty or payment for sin. Now, I don't know if you've realized this or not. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body and you have sinned. Have you ever lied? Have you ever cheated? Have you ever taken something that wasn't yours? Have you ever lusted? after another person the Bible even goes a little bit further Jesus went so far as or the New Testament goes so far as to say if you know to do good and you don't do it to him it is sin so have you ever knew you were supposed to do something for somebody and you didn't do it that's sin Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You're a spirit, you have an eternal soul, you live in a body, and we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now here's the revelation today. The predetermined penalty of payment for sin is death. Now the word death there is interesting. It means natural death, but it also means eternal death. And then I saw something this week I had never seen. I got a revelation of hell I have never seen before, and I want to share it with you this morning. The word death literally means, I'm going to read it to you so I don't mess it up, the miserable state of the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions that comes from sin. So the misery of sin that is afflicted upon your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. I want you to think about that for just a second. What is the misery of sin that is inflicted upon our soul? I wrote down just a few things. Sorrow, grief, anxiety, depression, depression fear, tormenting thoughts, suicidal thoughts, panic, dread, despair, anguish. Just to name a few. How many of you know those are the manifestations of sin in the soul of a man? It is those things that torment us. It is those things that plague us. It is those things that haunt us on the innermost being in our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And you could probably list another 20, 30 50 things that are the misery of sin that is afflicted upon the soul. Now let's listen to the rest of this. So the miserable state of the soul that comes from sin, which begins on earth but lasts and increases after death in hell for eternity. So let me give you a revelation of the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin is that you will naturally die. The penalty of sin is that you will eternally die in a place called hell ultimately what the Bible calls the lake of fire and most of the time when we think about hell we think about the scripture where Jesus said in hell the flame is never quenched and the worm never dies it's a place of physical what we would assume as physical torment but I want you to see another side of hell today I want you to understand that the penalty of sin is death it is a eternal state of misery In your mind, your will, and your emotions, where you feel the sting and the shame of sin, the guilt, the fear, the worry, the disgrace, the tormenting thoughts, the anguish, the panic, all the worst emotions you could ever muster up in your mind are going to be poured out upon the soul in hell where they will be tormented with that misery. Now here's the kicker. Not only is the misery of the soul there, but the Bible actually teaches us here through this simple word, death, that that misery of sin inflicted upon your soul will never diminish and it will constantly increase and get worse and worse every day forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. ever. Oh boy, Pastor Keith, this is a great Christmas sermon. Why in the world would you tell us this? Because until you understand the penalty of sin, you can't understand the miracle of Christmas. Until you understand the penalty of sin, you can't understand the miracle of Christmas. Until you know what Jesus is saving you from, you'll never get excited about being saved to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So I want you to imagine hell as being a place where your worst day. Imagine that for a minute. Your worst mental, emotional day you've ever had. Anxiety, fear, panic, dread, grief, loss, sorrow, suffering. Is going to not only be poured out upon you. But there will be no relief. No digress. And it will only get worse and worse as every day of eternity goes on. Now, it is no coincidence, guys, that we live in a world that is consumed by drug and alcohol addiction. How many of you understand? Nobody becomes a drug addict or an alcoholic because their life is wonderful. Nobody becomes a drug addict or an alcoholic because they are very excited and really pleased about the life that they are living. No, we live in a world where people will literally, physically kill themselves with drugs and alcohol just for a temporary moment of relief from the anguish and torment of their soul. They're hurting on the inside. They're filled with despair and depression and tormenting thoughts and shame and guilt and condemnation and all these things. And a person will literally destroy their own physical body. They will burn every bridge of relationships they've ever had. They'll spend their last daughter. They'll live homeless on the street just for a momentary relief from the misery of their own soul. But we all know that never lasts because the high wears off and the pain comes back. Now imagine how bad that is. And yet hell is going to be worse than that. Because in hell there is no high, there is no drink, there is no escape, there is no relief, there is no nothing. Because hell is a place devoid of God and good where you are turned over to the misery of your own sin that ever increases and never diminishes with no escape forever and ever. And you would kill yourself, but you can't die because you're already dead. The miracle of Christmas is that we get saved from that. (laughs) The miracle of Christmas is that we don't have to endure that. The miracle of Christmas is that God sent his son Jesus to die for our sins so that we could be redeemed from hell and have eternal life. Now, let's just flip the coin for just a second. Imagine the happiest moment of your life. Imagine your greatest joy. Your greatest day of laughter, your greatest day of celebration, your deepest place of peace. Imagine that and then imagine that heaven is going to be a place where your soul, your mind, your will and your emotions are going to experience the fullness of life. The joy, the peace, the love, the laughter goodness the grace of God it is going to be poured out upon you upon your entrance into heaven and it is never going to diminish it is ever going to increase day by day by day by day by day forever and ever and ever it's no wonder that God had to give us a glorified body or we would explode from the joy and splendor that we're going to experience in heaven forever and ever and ever and ever because of the gift of God through Jesus Christ man heaven's going to be sweet folks you can't believe in the miracle of Christmas and not believe in the reality of eternity because if there is no heaven and there is no hell then Jesus came in vain if this life is all there is then the Christmas story is no Christmas story at all but if it is true and we believe it is then Jesus came to save his people from their sin the penalty of sin which is eternal death I want to give you two more scriptures I want you to see this let me tell you why I am fully convinced that if we believe in the miracle of Christmas we have to believe in the reality of eternity John 3.16 said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You ever wondered why God gave Jesus? What was he giving him for? He was giving him not to be celebrated. I want you to hear this. But to be sacrificed. He was giving him not to be celebrated as the king of kings his first time. He was giving him as a baby in a manger to be sacrificed for the sins of the world. Look at Romans 3.25. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. And people are made right with God when they what? When they what? When they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. Romans 8.3 says, For the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our own sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like we bought like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a what? For our sins. When you believe in the miracle of Christmas, look at that last point. When we believe in the miracle of Christmas, we have to believe. That eternity is a reality. We have to believe that there is a real heaven and there is a real hell. And here's the hope of the gospel today. And we have to believe there's only one hope, one Savior, one sacrifice for our sin. And His name is Jesus. If you believe in the miracle of Christmas, you have to believe that. Because the Christmas story is a story that separates eternal life from eternal death and it's a story that offers hope and hanging in the balance between life and death is God's son Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for our sins and that is the miracle of Christmas that is the miracle of Christmas I want you to bow your heads today with me let's bow our heads and close our eyes I want to ask you a very important question today a very sobering question if you were to die right now and step into eternity which eternity would you step into would you step into a place of eternal life where the joy the splendor the wonder of God's glory and goodness and mercy and love and life would ever increase and never diminish forever and ever and ever or would you step into an eternal place of death and damnation the Bible calls it Where the misery of your soul would increase. And the anguish of your soul and the torment of your soul would get worse and worse and worse forever and ever with no escape. What eternity is yours today? It all comes down to one thing. What have you done with Jesus? The gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord is yours. It's a gift Right? You can't earn it. If you work for it, it's not a gift. It's a gift today that you can only receive by faith. But today by faith you can receive that gift. And you can be saved from your sin. Because the penalty of sin is eternal death and misery and sorrow of soul that never ends and ever increases with no way of escape, you can be delivered from that by simply believing in and receiving the gift of God through Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've never done that, you've never received that gift of life through Jesus Christ. And today you say, Pastor Keith, I believe. I believe Jesus is who who you say He is, who the Bible says He is. I believe He died for my sins. I believe He rose again. And I believe He's my only hope today. And I want him to save me from my sin. And I want to receive the gift of eternal life. If that's you this morning and you want to receive that gift, I want you to do something very simple but very bold. I want you just to stand to your feet all over this building. Today I want to receive the gift of eternal life. Today I want to receive the gift of eternal life. I want to be saved from my sins. And I want to believe in and trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It's yours. It's free. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. But by faith you have to receive it. This is your moment right now. Don't wait. Just stand. Just a simple act of faith. Just stand to your feet today. And Today say I believe. And I want to receive that gift. We're about to close in prayer. But this is your moment. Don't miss it. This is your moment. Don't pass it up. This is your moment. Don't walk by. I believe. I want Jesus to save me from my sin with every head bowed every eye closed let me say this to those of us that are here today as Christians the greatest gift we could give this Christmas is the gift of Jesus let's keep him at the center of all of our celebrations and may the center piece of our Christmas celebration be the miracle of Christmas so father I pray today for every person that we know that doesn't know you God, for every person right now that needs to be saved from their sins. God, we pray for them this morning. We ask you to open their eyes to the truth. We ask you to convict their hearts and draw them to you. And God, we ask you to use us. Give us boldness, God. Give us confidence, God. Give us a stirring of heart and love and compassion for the people that we know and love. That all would know and believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Lord, we thank you for this season. And we thank you for the miracle of Christmas. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen.